we're getting close. We're getting close to uh, to Halloween. It's coming up, guys. Spooky month. Spooky season is happening. And you know what that means? That means another episode of Hacker News and all the spooky stuff that happens within the industry. So, uh, welcome back. This is episode four. Today is October 22nd, 2021. And we have got a few things to talk about, which include deepfake audio and how it scored $35 million in a corporate heist, along with... Uh, WinRAR, if you guys know what WinRAR is, it was a tool that was in Windows that was used to kind of extract packages and to zip things up. And anyway, long story short, there's a remote code execution that was discovered in older versions of it. So those of us that like to, uh, to use older version and get that free, that free utility, we might need to be on the lookout for this. And then lastly, but, but not leastly, lastly, but not least, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> um, Criminals are now targeting telecom providers and their Linux systems. So we will talk a little bit about that at the end. And yeah, more and more to come. But let's get today's episode started just right. And cue the music now. Welcome back again to another episode of Hacker News, the one-stop shop for your few Hacker News articles of the week um, to stay on top of your, yes, Hacker News, for lack of better terminology. Um, but today, yeah, we're going to deep dive into a couple, I guess not deep dive, but we're going to shallow dive, I guess we'll call it, <laughs> into a few articles. Um, and I just want to do some house cleaning stuff first. Alright guys, I do have all these notes written up. I dropped them in the Discord. Um, I'm going to start doing that now. I did that prior whenever I had my old podcast and it worked out pretty well. It was an awesome little um, incentive to listen to the episode and check out and see uh, where the articles came from and who wrote them and all the behind the scenes of it. So I dropped those in the Discord again. You can go find that on the uh, on the website and it includes the podcast uh, links, includes my YouTube channel, which is still kind of in the works right now. That's going to be a minute. It also includes my Discord and my Twitter. Um, I do post a lot of stuff in there. And also on Discord as well. I know I shout that out every time. However, I have a button there that specifically just throws up uh, news articles as they come in. And that's where a lot of these articles kind of come from. I curate from my own cur- creation. I guess that's the best way, best way to put it. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, we're going to get on to the good stuff because I don't want to bore you guys too much with this. Um, but okay, so also the last little part about the notes, I include cool new tools uh, that I throw into the notes every week. Just, you know, if you're a pen tester, you're an offensive pen tester, or maybe you're a blue team uh, defender there, uh, these could be useful to at least know about, if not maybe tinker around with for a little bit but the first one is just karma v2 it's an open source intelligence tool that basically automates your reconnaissance and i'm not going to get into any of the nitty-gritty with this because it's it's it just lists a bunch of features and it's just kind of it's kind of a lot um it's really really cool though and i'm actually about to start tinkering with this tool a little bit just because it seems something that's uh, pretty interesting to me and i'll probably end up using it here in the workforce here in a little bit um, but yeah, so that's Karma V2 is in there. And then also you can check out Lime Lighter. That is the second tool I threw into the notes this week. And it creates spoof code signing certi- uh, certificates. So it creates um, 
signing certificates, signed binaries, and DLL files to help evade EDR products and avoid MSS slash SOC security. So go check that out, guys. Again, it is in the notes. It's freaking awesome. It's worth it's worth the five to ten minutes it'll take for you to go and check it. But anyway, let's get started. First off, we're going to be talking about deepfake audio and how it scored 35 million in corporate heists. Now, that's that's a lot of money. I mean, in the, in terms of ransomware, that's not really all that much. Uh, ransomware typically pulls a lot more than that, and especially now that it's offered as a service, which it has been for a while now. Um, this is actually a really cool little article that talks about uh, deepfakes, and this is one of probably the biggest, um, really one of the biggest attacks uh, that that used deepfake audio, and actually. Um, the attack targeted a branch manager with emails that appeared to be from the director and a U.S.-based lawyer who the emails designated as coordinator of the acquisition. And the attack is basically, it's, it's one of the latest to use synthetic audio created using machine learning algorithms known as neural networks to mimic the voice of a person known to the targeted employee. Now, how crazy is that? How crazy is it that we can now attack people not saying that we are attacking people but there are out there people attacking people using the quote-unquote voice of someone that you know someone that you trust whether it be like let's say you get a phone call from uh i don't know maybe it sounds like your wife but it's actually not your wife who who knows it's crazy this is actually a thing now um and for that reason deepfake audio and synthesized voices will likely become part of cyber criminals techniques in the future now, a variety of open source tools are available to allow anyone to create deepfakes, both video and audio. Um, you can find them on the internet. I don't want to say anywhere, but you can find them a lot of places. The thing to remember is, is that if there's money to be made in this market, you can be sure that attackers will adopt new techniques to include those such things. And it's not super sophisticated to use the tools uh, when it comes to voice. Honestly, it's even easier. So... Deepfake, we have talked about it for a long time. It has been a thing uh, kind of surfaced, I guess, a, a little while ago. But in 2019, um, a manager of a UK subsidiary of a German company received a call from what sounded like his Germany-based CEO, who he had previously met. And basically, at the fake CEO's request, he transferred 220,000 euros to a supposed vendor. And the manager did not become suspicious until the same person posing as the CEO called again two days later asking for another 100000 um, He then noticed that the phone number came from Austria and not Germany, which is how he kind of got his tipped off about it. And bada bing, bada boom, you connect some dots and he realized that wasn't the right, you know, that, that was a malicious threat actor that was contacting him and actually won the first time. Which, honestly, the fact that uh, not a lot of people are made super aware of this, you know, that's that's a pretty big, it's a pretty big issue. Um, yeah, so moving on from this, kind of the biggest thing we can do, right, is take a trust but verify kind of viewpoint. And like we talked about in a prior episode about the zero trust kind of framework, the model, um, that's what we really need to start putting into play now. You know, I talked about this last episode, and this is one of the most apparent things that has happened that we really, we just, we need to start doing this, guys, because this stuff is, you just, you got to verify it. You've got to verify it. Um, you've got to double, double all your, 
cross checks and checks and, and make sure that whoever's giving the order, whoever's asking or requesting the specific ticket item or whatever they need, it's the person who's actually doing it. And basically, we're going to have to adopt some of the principles of zero trust into this world of relationships. You know, we already do on a daily basis inside our family sometimes if we're getting on a really deep level. But especially in business, we have to make sure it's the people that we're actually talking to and not somebody else that's inserting themselves into the middle. Um, it doesn't have to be a technological solution, keep that in mind, but just a process of verifying really is just uh, that's enough to be sufficient. And the U.S. Department of Justice filing has few details of the United Arab Emirates investigation. A U.S.-based lawyer allegedly had been designated to oversee the acquisition, and the Emirati investigation tracked two transfers totaling $415,000 deposited into accounts at Centennial Bank in the United States. So, oh man, guys, deepfake audio scores again for the for the bad guys. Well, that's. Let's all work collectively together to try and get on top of this because that's a pretty bad thing. Um, just keep in mind, you know, this is stuff that's happening out there right now. So if you're in a position where you have any kind of power within your company to say anything about this, you don't even have to have power. You can be, you know, you can be someone in a lower, lower position. Um, at least just bring it up and see how the CEO, CFO, CTO, not CFO, but the CTO, the CISO, whoever may be your point of contact within the company, see how they would um react to this and basically try and think about changing the way that they think about verifying things now we just talked about the deep fake uh, article now we're going to move on to something a little bit different called winrar and i know that there are some of us that are familiar with winrar some of us are not uh, winrar is like a, a packaging tool where you can extract packages you can zip up files you can do a bunch of stuff with it it's a super cool utility um and a lot of us used older versions of it because <laughs> you would install it in your computer and it would just say, hey, you only have seven days left on your trial before the software runs out. You need to purchase it now. Well, the thing with it is that it would say that every time and it never would run out. So the older versions were essentially free. But now there is an issue with that, guys. There's a big issue. Um, there is an official remote code execution that has been discovered in the older versions. So... Let's talk about that for a quick second and we will dive into it. So this article, which came from the register, basically says a remote code execution vulnerability existed in an old and free trial version of WinRAR, according to InfoSec firm Positive Technologies. What a positive name. I like it. While a vulnerability in version 5.7 of WinRAR may not seem like an immediate threat, given that the version was first released two years ago and has been su superseded since. Simple shareware slash free-to-use software has a habit of being used long after its due date, which is very true. I think we're all a little bit guilty of this. <laughs> this being said, though, the vulnerability tracked as CVE 2021-35052 has since been patched, and users should check their installed versions of WinRAR and update it if it isn't version 6.02 or later. Though the practicality of the attack seems limited unless your device or network is first compromised by other means. The RCE itself could be induced through a WinRAR dialog box, which happened to spawn an Internet Explorer instance. And from Internet Explorer, you can actually curate a full-on command shell. Um, that, that is a cool little escape that, that you're able to do if you have access to Internet Explorer. Um, whether or not you can get it privileged, that's always 
possible. Um, this window uses mshtml.dll impersonation for Borland C++ in which WinRAR has been written, noted positive technologies. Sniffing WinRAR traffic with Burp Suite allowed researchers to identify and then modify traffic being sent to and from the dialog box. And if the dialog box received an HTTP 301 response indicating a permanent redirect away from our servers, it would faithfully follow that, allowing the researchers to send it wherever they liked and inject their own code into the box. So, yay! <laughs> we love uh, changing traffic uh, destinations to whatever we want to do. Um, keep that in mind. That is what attackers do with this, with this specific CVE. Uh, though, if you have your internet locked down, your network locked down, everything kind of locked down, you're probably going to be fine. Um, spoofed address resolution protocol, which is ARP packets sent to the dialog box from a hostile domain, gave the researchers enough access to retrieve localhost information, run Windows Calculator, and so on. Now, if you're able to execute Windows Calculator, that's an issue. You have, you literally have got control of the computer. Um, File types that could be opened without triggering further warnings in Windows, according to positive technologies, included Word documents, PDFs, Python scripts, and .rar archives. And we have asked WinRAR for comment, uh, and all that they really said is that CVE 2021-35052 was fixed back in July when the vulnerability was first discovered. WinRAR noted such attacks are only possible if the intruder has managed to spoof or otherwise control users' DNS records. So that is it for WinRAR and their vulnerability that kind of popped up in the news this week. Um, just, you know, you, you're, you're pretty much fine if you have a really secure networking or network environment. Uh, I still, you know, in being in cybersecurity, you always have to take the approach of, I may not always be okay. I may not always be secure. I may not always be safe. Um, and that's okay. You know, it's always update your stuff, make sure things are fixed. And if you have any kind of old software on your computer, just know whether it's discovered or not, publicly written or not, there are always ways to get in through it. And just like with everything that's in the market, there are always ways to break it, always ways to hack into it. It's just a matter of fact of really just time. When is somebody going to find it? How are they going to publish it? Are they ever going to publish it? And, uh, yeah, so make sure you update that if you can. And we will move on to the last article of today, which talks about criminals and how they are targeting telecom providers, Linux systems, and essentially just harvesting all of that fun stuff. So without further ado, let's start talking about a criminal gang that is targeting telephone companies, Linux and Solaris boxes, because it perceives they aren't being watched by InfoSec teams that have focused their efforts on securing Windows, which... I can definitely see that because Windows is certainly a massive security issue a lot of the times. But if Linux isn't really well secured or Solaris, that's a massive attack vector, right? You know, Linux is out of the two. In my own personal opinion, I think Linux is very easy to compromise if you have the right, you know, if it's not secured properly, it's not super, super hard to find. I think Windows is much harder, but there are definitely more vulnerabilities that supersede or not supersede, but they coincide inside of Windows. But, you know, that's my own personal opinion. Um, I know they both have a lot. They both have a lot of, uh, vulnerabilities that exist and they're always just different ways to get in. Uh, I personally just, I like attacking Linux more and I think a lot of people would say the same, but anyway, security vendor CrowdStrike claims it's spotted the group and that it 
has quote unquote has been consistently targeting the telecommunications sector at a global scale since at least 2016 to retrieve highly specific information from mobile communication infrastructure such as subscriber information and call metadata. The gang appears to understand telco operations well enough to surf the carrier to carrier links that enable mobile roaming across borders and between carriers to spread its payloads. Yay, we love it. <laughs> um this is a very sophisticated group, guys. This is a, a gang that operates on the internet that understands this kind of infrastructure. They understand the ins and outs of teleco, or should I say telecommunications companies, and they are exploiting it actively. Uh, CrowdStrike principal consultant Jamie Harries and senior security researcher Dan Meyer, or Dan Mayer, named the group Light Basin, but it also goes by the handle UNC1945. Whatever the group is called, the pair write that it, quote-unquote, employs significant operational security OPSEC measures, primarily establishing implants across Linux and Solaris servers, with a particular focus on specific telecommunications systems, and only interacting with Windows systems as needed. Libasin's focus on Linux and Solaris systems is likely due to the combination of critical telecommunications infrastructure running on those operating systems, in addition to the comparatively lax security measures and monitoring solutions on Linux slash Solaris systems compared to measures that are typically in place on Windows operating systems within an organization, the pair wrote. Now, this alone, just taking back and stepping back for a second, guys, uh, thinking about this, seriously, that just says that the security posture for the operational tech than all the other systems is way way more insecure now that's actually kind of crazy because the stuff that actually runs the telecom company all the actual infrastructure is way less secure than their front-facing website that you would order a phone through for example now i understand that that's you know the front-facing website that may be an easier attack place but if you have someone who knows what they're doing they understand the telecom infrastructure that's pretty dangerous guys that's bad um it's it's actually pretty scary. So CrowdStrike claims to have found 13 companies which the gang has actually cracked and attacked. And some light basing code includes strings that use Pinyin, P-I-N-Y-I-N, the standard for transliterating Chinese into Roman text. However, CrowdStrike doesn't think that this means the gang is linked to China and indeed offered no hypotheses about a link to any nation state at all. CrowdStrike researchers suggest carriers can keep Light Basin in the dark by ensuring that firewalls responsible for the GPRS network have rules in place to restrict network traffic to only those protocols that are expected, such as DNS or GTP. The firm also recommends that any kind of Linux system implementations in telco land need basic security controls and logging in place. Examples would be SSH logging forwarded to a SIM, S-I-E-M, solution. Endpoint detection and response and EDR, which you most definitely should have an EDR, period. Uh, there's no reason to not have that, as well as a SIM. Uh, and it gets forwarded to an EDR for process execution. File integrity monitoring, FIM, for recording file changes of key configuration files. And as well as all this stuff that kind of was stated, the U.S. CISA, CISA, Cybersecurity Agency, has warned that the Dark Side Ransomware Gang, a.k.a. Black Matter, has been targeting American food and agriculture businesses and urges security pros to be on the lookout for indicators of compromise. 
well known in Western infosec circles for causing the shutdown of the U.S. colonial pipeline, Darkseid's apparent rebranding is Black Matter after promising to go away for good in the wake of the pipeline hack hasn't slowed their criminal extortion down at all and it just pops back up so this just shows that a lot of these criminals guys they're attacking the critical infrastructure of the u.s right now there are a lot of critical infrastructure issues that we have as far as security goes and it shows it really shows you know these guys some guys may be very skilled and very highly highly skilled at this and some may not be um it just depends on uh <laughs> how well you're really protecting your systems right um, you're only as strong as your weakest link is in your network so make sure you cross your t's dot your i's and uh get on to all this stuff guys so that wraps up today's episode i know it's a little bit longer than usual um but there's a lot to talk about and these are some pretty some pretty big articles that we're that we're talking about here so don't forget to uh well if you enjoyed the episode hit that follow button we love it and check out the tools, check out the website if you can. Till we get to speak again, have a great week and weekend, and I hope you all stay safe. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review on the Apple Store or the Spotify Store, whatever your platform is, and I will shout you out next episode. But thank you again for listening today, and I will see you guys on the next episode of Hacker News. Take care.